So the other shoe was bound to drop sometime. Yeah, I pretty much feel the same <laughs> way, I think. Um, we had a really good run, two weeks, that you know, and I'll give it the parts of the episode that were on the planet. We finally have a goofy-ass Star Trek planet, and I really like goofy-ass Star Trek planets. As goofy-ass Star Trek planets go, this wasn't the best, but, you know, it was fine, and then they insisted on having plot. I, I Yeah, I agree with you. I think that this was not—I uh, enjoyed this episode somewhat, and I, I certainly don't think it's— terrible yeah. by any stretch of the imagination I, I certainly don't think it's as bad as choose your pain for example and uh, w- what i think is interesting to, to look at with civis passum parabellum or whatever I, no one actually knows how to pronounce latin right is that my understanding is correct there i mean uh, you know there's probably some people who do but i think most of them are dead so Right, like no one alive that we don't actually know how Latin was pronounced, so whatever yeah. I say is right, so we'll just go with that. I forgot to uh, look it up, what it meant, Do It means if you want peace, prepare for war. Okay, fine. Um, what I'm finding with this episode is that I fundamentally do not care mm. about the war. Yeah, because... as a background, it's been fine, but as something to care about, it sucks. Well, what I what I think is interesting to look at in light of this episode is how much is this series supposed to stand apart from other Star Treks? And what I mean by that is this episode really highlighted for me exactly how much knowledge you need to have about the history of Star Trek, about the history of the Federation and Starfleet and the Klingons and their relationship characterizations of the Klingon Empire, you know, their relationship over 200 years, because essentially the war, the Klingons, I I have no idea. Like if I had not seen as much Star Trek as I had seen, if I was just watching this show and especially this episode as as a person who had never seen any Star Trek before, I really don't feel like the show has done a good job of explaining who the Klingons are, explaining what their motivations are, explaining what their relationship is to Starfleet and the wider universe. And I also don't think, frankly, that the show has done a tremendously good job at explaining what Starfleet is. And so when you get an episode like this, which is half metaplot and half adventure of the week, the metaplot stuff fails spectacularly. And I, I, I really think that in the second season of this show, because it has been renewed for a second season, I, I, I really, really, really hope that they under that they realize that the strength of this show yeah. is in the standalone episodes. I, I don't think they will, but I was very disappointed when I realized that this was going to be the grab bag, here's a scene with every single yeah. plot check-in style of episode. I I did not enjoy it as an episode of television. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when you're talking about how, well, we don't really know what the Klingons are, we don't really know what the Federation or Starfleet is, that's reminding me of the original series where we didn't really get a sense of who the history of the Klingons or the history of the Starfleet, but it didn't matter. Starfleet is the good guys. The Klingons are the bad guys. If you want to put some resonances of America versus the versus the communists, you can do that there. But for the most part, it is telling a much simpler morality tale, the black hats and white hats. And 
here they're trying to get that same resonances except number one they're they're muddying the waters of the federation by you know Lorca what is he is he a sociopath who knows and by trying to characterize the Klingons as this thing and it's 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 a mess it's a mess I mean the entire you know this much of this episode felt like it was rushing, like it was characters spent getting from beat to beat because, you know, they needed to fit these three storylines in here without actually giving it. I mean, any one of those. I would like to have an episode that's entirely the planet. I would have liked to have an episode that's entirely Lares and, you know, Comstock, frankly, and... I would even be fine to have Tilly trying to, you know, draw out Stamets for an episode, but it's just, all these things need to happen because we need to, I mean, what I think was really disappointing is this is a preparation for the fall finale, as they are calling it, and when I, you know, in in a way, this is like the pilot, not an episode we need to care about in and of itself, but something that's going to lead up to something big. Which is odd because this originally was supposed to be the mid-season finale. Like they they extended it one more week, so this would have been the last week. I yeah. honestly wish it had been because I really just feel like I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I feel like we're repeating ourselves every week, but you know, in a certain sense, we are. I I just really feel like the show is not giving itself room to breathe. It is yeah. not allowing any of these characters or any of these plot lines room to really land and to really sell themselves. I I fundamentally do not understand what is going on, like on a real level. And yeah. on the one hand, you can say, all right, that's okay. But, and, and I'm with you, like serialized television works that way. And sometimes you don't know what's going on. But there are issues with what should be keeping us watching, which is character motivations and the structures of each episode. And I, frankly, I don't care about a lot of these characters. Well, and Yeah. And, well, I guess so. For me, I think the Klingon storyline kind of exemplifies the troubles with it. I mean... What do we see about the relationship between Call and the rest, right? Call says, all right, Valk, you know, you're out of here. The rest is all, I swear my loyalty to you. At the beginning of this episode, she's all, I'm going to be valuable. He's saying, well, I don't know. Why don't you torture her? He comes back. He's like, well, you did a fine job. You can join me. Ha ha, just kidding. Like, that's the entirety of it. And and all through the episode, the rest is saying, it's terrible to be under him. I don't like him. He killed my friends. But... I don't know what their day-to-day has been like because, number one, we haven't checked in with them, but I've liked it when we haven't checked in with them. You know, it feels like a few missing scenes. It, it that Yeah, it does. Absolutely. And I think that's a perfect way to put it. It feels like the show is alighting certain things in an attempt to do what? I don't know. And I, I, think, a, I think a key scene for me in that criticism is when Laurel brings the body i guess of the admiral i don't know if she's actually dead because i saw her head move yeah and i don't yeah i mean that can't be a production mistake can it but i would they they look at things like that so i would assume not so i am assuming that she is not actually dead but laurel just happens on the horror room of all of her dead huh. friends i think that's I, just know, like it, the body dumping room and she doesn't realize that her friends are in there 
I mean, that was the impression I got on the scene. But yeah, I mean. So what? Like they just didn't show up for dinner for two weeks and she's like, I don't know where they are. <laughs> like, were we supposed to think that they were just then murdered? I, I fundamentally do not understand what is happening with this storyline. And I don't think it's me. Like, I'm a smart guy. You're a smart guy. We watch a lot of television. We're versed in storytelling. We've been doing television criticism and movie criticism for over five years now. I, I don't think that we're unintelligent people. But, it, you know, at the just, same time. They're not, they're not doing a very good uh, job of explaining what this story is. And I'll, I'll admit, it's partially laziness on my part because, at, going back to our earlier point, I don't really care enough to put put in the effort because I don't get the sense that they're caring enough to put in the effort. Again, this is an episode that goes along fine until it gets possessed by the corpse of Brian Fuller, in which he says, you know, we have this war story, and it's very... Like, I am... I may, Maybe I'm blaming him for the parts that suck, and maybe that's unfair, but I am blaming him for the parts that suck, and it feels like every time they're starting to figure out what the show is... When what makes the show good when the show is interesting to watch, then suddenly it gets hijacked by this really stupid plot. Yeah, because I mean, where is this all leading? I think that this is a fine. Uh, this is a fine point in the season to ask that question because I was very clear from the beginning that we don't know where this is going. We don't know where this is going. I kept saying that we're we're you know, eight episodes in at this point, I think we should have some idea about where this is going or at the very least why they're telling this story. And fundamentally, I don't have answers to either of those questions. I know. I mean, we've been, I, I, I think it's kind of funny because, you know, I, I know we've said privately, I don't know if we've said this on the podcast, like, gee, if we weren't doing this for the podcast, would we really be watching this? Like, if we were civilians, would we continue watching the show? And frankly, we're rethinking doing our entire approach to the show just because I don't think we're getting what we should out of this. I mean, next week is going to be a plot episode. I am not looking forward to next week's episode. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it either. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see where it goes and whether or not they're going to try and, and, and wrap some of this stuff up or not. But I think that there's just there's too many pieces missing here. And and as the discovery portions of the show, I think, have been coming together in a nice way. And I think that the characters are starting to endear themselves to me at least a little bit. I, I just I really have to be honest with the fact that the Klingon storyline, the Klingon is mm. just it's it's not working. It is not working at all. And. On, on any level, is it working? I, I Maybe it will work. Maybe in hindsight, it will all come together brilliantly. But even just watching these Klingon scenes, I am not interested in them. Yeah. There is nothing dynamic about them. They are hard to follow. They don't add anything visually to the show. I, I even find the look of the Klingon ship to be a little lazy. It's, oh, it's alien and it looks bulbous and blah, blah. And it's like, whatever. I mean, who cares? And, you know, I feel like I'm being a little bit churlish with my criticism here, but I'm just, you know, and I'm trying to step back as well because, you know, as longtime listeners of Trek about know, I am not a fan of Klingons. And so I always have to mitigate my reactions to Klingon episodes or Klingon storylines with the fact that I don't really like them. But the what my my counter to that is I like Klingon episodes and the Klingons have shown nothing of what I like about Klingons. Again, I can't picture Call singing opera. 
I don't picture them reveling in anything. You know, there is no real passion to these Klingons. I mean, what I love about the Klingons is that they just, they get obsessive, that they get very exuberant. You know, we, we don't, these are Klingons that don't laugh. And I like the fact that Klingons laugh. And, you know, that's fair, maybe. You know, maybe this is just the era of Klingon culture where it, Klingons don't laugh. You know, maybe Cole is the Steve Bannon of the Klingons. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that that all could be. I, I think that what, what it comes down to for me is that Vogue has disappeared. Uh, they have elided that entirely. They don't seem to be interested in... Uh, playing with our expectations at all about that. I mean, I know that there's this fan theory out there that uh, Lieutenant Pretty Ash Tyler is Voke. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But Laurel says that he has disappeared or something in this episode. Uh, so, assumedly, he's been gone for a while. Yeah, and, and um, I know you keep mentioning, you know, alluding to something from Enterprise, but stuff like even, like, have you tasted rainbow trout is a little too specific even for a disguised Voke, you know? So, I don't... I don't know. I don't know either. But I, I think that I'm not putting it against. I'm not putting it outside yeah. the realm of possibility because, frankly, I don't think this show is quality enough to to not do that. But but what a fucking shame that we say that, though. By the way. But anyway, well, you know, it is what it is. Uh, that what it comes down to for me is I don't fundamentally understand the character of Laurel. I don't understand what she's been doing Mm. and this is this is a problem like i keep thinking back to other shows that take this approach to storytelling where characters pop in and out and they don't appear in each episode but when they show up again you kind of get a sense of what they've been doing or what they haven't been doing or where they've been Mm. laurel i have no idea like in choose your pain she was running the prison ship who knows why i have no idea why she was doing that now she's back on the sarcophagus ship what exactly is happening here with her? I, I don't get a good sense of her movements in space and time. I also, frankly, don't get a good sense of how much time is passing, which I think is also a fundamental problem with this show. Yeah, I uh, let me put it this way. TNG gave us a very good idea of what was, go- you know, when we saw a character next, uh, what they'd been doing. They They usually very quickly updated us. DS9... You know, they had ideas of what was going, and those were shows that were written episodically. Uh, This is a show which we can assume was plotted within a period of time. Most of the episodes were written within a general spate and was intended to have continuity, and we don't have the answers to the question. That is a major dropping of the ball. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And I I think that even a small example of that is, for example, the Stardate issue where— I'm looking at Memory Alpha right now because I wanted to to check my assumption here. And, you know, in last week's episode, Burnham said that the star date was in the 2100s. And that, and in the pilot, she said it was tw- in the 1200s. Now we're back to the 1300s. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, now star dates have never been like totally well thought out in, in the original series. They were much more methodically laid out in the uh, uh, TNG era. Um but what are we supposed to take any information from that? Is that just an oversight? Is that just laziness? Is that just someone not paying attention? I honestly don't know. And what's worse, I have no idea what the answer to that question is. And I feel like I should have at least some answer to that question. I know. And how hard is it, by the way, to look at the number in the previous script 
and write a number that's a little higher than that each time. Like, you you have the previous week's script or whatever, don't you? Like, or you could redub the fucking line. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, they they tend to write these episodes in tandem, and so no, they don't, but... <laughs> You know, I think it's a misnomer to think that, like, because what happens, of course, is that it's a writer's room and then writers get assigned to write that episode script. And so they go off and do it. And, you know, two different or three different writers, whoever has gotten assigned to write the last three episodes of the show might be doing it at the same time. So, no, they don't have it that way. I don't know. It seems like such an easy thing. You know, what? how many episodes are there going to be? 15? You write 15 numbers down at the beginning then. You know that the people who are watching the show are the kind of geeks who are going to notice that. You write 15 numbers. You assign them out. Well, maybe you should uh, apply for a job on Discovery's production staff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, let's talk about the planet stuff then. Because I I think that both of us liked that part of it. I I still feel like it's underbaked, though. I feel like if this episode had just been Mm -hmm. their adventures on this planet... Pavo, I would have liked it a lot more. Yeah, no, there is more stuff that could have been in there that, again, this is a typical Star Trek goofy-ass planet. This is not that different from, um, what's the one where, with the spores and Spock smiling and all of that? Um, This Side of Paradise? That's from The Cage. No, no, where he's laughing, where he starts laughing, where he's this woman, oh, I can love you now, I can love you. Oh, yeah, this side of paradise. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is essentially a rewrite of this side of paradise. You have a character who some kind of force on this planet causes him to be enamored with it and decide that, you know, this is it. And, you know, he has a ter- uh, he is torn between his personal uh, feelings and his duty and all of that. And, I mean, that's a fine episode. That is totally within the Star Trek wheelhouse. Updated for 2017. Updated for... A more urgent situation because, you know, the Enterprise was just dealing with business as usual. Discovery is dealing with a war. You have some first contact issues. You have Burnham trying to make some things. And, you know, you have a little bit of investigation into Saru. That's an episode. As we've been saying, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And, you know, when it continues past the, you know, when Burnham is talking to Saru in in sick bay and he's saying you know gee i've never experienced a moment without fear and they have a moment of understanding beautiful and the episode then and then i see there's 10 minutes left and that's when i start that's when my fear ganglia started to come out <laughs> well i think there was more like three minutes left but yeah your point is well taken yeah i don't know i mean i i think that that this episode was much needed of course because saru has kind of been a black box in some senses we have gotten some sort of biological determinism with Saru, which I'm not sure I I completely am on board with, but I think we have to take it at, at, at face value because the show is really doubling down on the idea that he is a prey species and that he has all these powers because he has a prey species. All right, fine. Uh, he can run fast. He can apparently crush communicators in his bare hands. Uh, all good. I'm on board with Saru. I like him. I still don't really get a good sense of what he's all about. And I think yeah. that... Yeah, well, I, what, have a, what's, I have a big question well, about Saru, actually. Well, I'll get to your question yeah. in a minute, but I, I think that what, what I'm finding is that uh, this is one area where the show's uncertainty about itself, I think, is intentional because I don't think that Saru is supposed to know who he is. Hmm. And that's fair, but there are... 
I guess my question is, was he raised on his own planet or was he raised outside in the Federation? And I think that's a big under, I, I think that's important because yes, Saru is in a very dangerous situation, but he is in a place where he has been able to thrive. He has been able to do well and he has been able to figure out moments of bravery. Was his childhood spent running from prey and now he figured out like, is this a Federation world now? Well, I would think so, yeah. I mean, I, I don't really want to get into, like, a 15-minute discussion to t- talking about, like, Saru's or the Kelpian's, you know, uh, uh, planet. But I Because no. I, we don't know. I mean, we can speculate, certainly, and I think that probably indicates how much we actually want to talk about this episode. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of get the sense from it that, that the Kelpians have these reactions to things in the same way that we have reactions to yeah. things that we can't get away from because we were evolutionarily determined to to do things. I mean, we're, you know, we're scared of holes, for example, because we don't know what are in the holes. And there's that whole thing on the internet now where people look at pictures of holes and they freak out because hmm. we have this, you know, natural aversion to holes and things with a lot of holes in them. Oh my God, sponges. Um, and that's why roommates never do the dishes. Exactly. And so for me, it's like I can really easily see, okay, maybe Saru, obviously Saru, the Kelpians are a sentient species. They have a technology. They, they, Mm -hmm. you know, they were able to contact the Federation, whether or not they're Federation members, who the hell knows. But, you know, at this point, I think it's like their technological uh, culture has subsumed itself. They are still reacting to things, um, but they evolve to be prey spe- as prey species in the same way that humans evolve to be whatever the hell humans are. Okay, fair enough. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's all kind of spinning our wheels because what this episode tells us yeah. is that Saru is is very uncomfortable. Saru is very unsure of himself even as he has risen to a position of first officer in Starfleet. And I think that's an interesting choice for the character. I I just don't know to what degree everyone else understands that as well i think burnham is getting it yeah and i would say burnham is going again burnham is going from uh the challenge left in uh giorgio's legacy where you know as your as their captain you have to lead these people and she does manage to get that moment of connection where you know burnham says she's never had him you know since the war started we've all been in moments of fear and you know burnham knows that she's fucked she's either fighting a horrible war or she's in prison for life like whatever burnham is there is no moment of respite as much as she you know admits she would give anything to have a moment of respite and really what she says is she would give anything to you know have Giorgio back to be that first officer to take time back but this is her reality, and she has to deal with it. You have to rise above that fear. I think she is figuring out ways of trying to get – I mean, Saru does need to figure out how to rise above his fear. And again, we've seen moments of him doing so. Um, I think she – you know, and just as – I don't know, because on the one hand, she's in, she's encouraging him to transcend his biology – on the other hand, Sarek uh, tried to entreat uh, Burnham to transcend her biology, and look how well that all worked out. Right, yeah. I mean, I don't know, because I, I, I don't know if Burnham is coming to terms with that or not. And I don't know if we have a good way to answer that question at this point. I mean, I, I just don't know 
that there's enough information out there. And I think what, what this comes down to for me again is, and I, I, I hate to keep going back to this point, but the, the show has too much plot and yeah. it is, it is trying to jam, uh, uh, you know, too much plot into these episodes, into this entire, you know, 15 episode season and and what's getting lost is is the character motivations that we need to to figure out and and to really sort of like you know Burnham apparently still thinks she started the war. I don't think she started the war. I don't think anybody thinks she started the war, but she thinks she started the war. Um I don't know. It's just there's there's something what it comes down to is that there is something deeply unsatisfying about the structure of Star Trek Discovery that is going to take me time to work through. Well, and yeah. I'm not going to get the answer tonight and we're not going to get the answer by the end of next week. Um you know, when we do revisit the show because we will revisit the show, um you know, when we're done Enterprise, I I anticipate having much clearer uh you know sort of critical reactions to it, but but at the moment I don't know. I just feel like I have an eight ball in my hands marked Star Trek Discovery and it says reply hazy try again. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, it bugs me that the war is a thing that we are supposed to care about rather than just a setting. I mean, again, this episode begins its premise is a general MacGuffin episode. There is a thing on this planet that is going to allow them to do a thing that will get them an advantage in the war. MacGuffin. It doesn't really matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's a transmitter or a cheap source of dilithium or something for a new weapon or more spores. It doesn't matter. You know, just as the spore drive doesn't matter and the tardigrade doesn't matter. But the show keeps saying, no, we're going to go beyond the MacGuffin, and now it's actually going to have a plot resonance. This planet isn't just a MacGuffin planet. It's going to contact the Klingons, and that's what its plan really was, and it's doing too much. I, I, I feel weird to criticize it for being overambitious, but, I mean, we've said this before. I wish it would be a simpler show. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's like if Star Trek Deep Space Nine had started its first season with, with the Dominion War, yeah. like, guys, come on, put the brakes on. Like, you haven't gotten to this point yet, you know, you haven't earned start it. off a little, start off a little less ambitious. I mean, you know, for example, now we have apparently the fact that, and I, I mean, I do like, the thing is Star Trek Discovery is getting a lot of the details right. You know, the, the sound effects are, are interesting. I think it's doing a good job with a lot of the visual updates. You know, I like the fact that all of the Starfleet personnel are calling the Klingon cloaking devices invisibility screens, which is what they called them in the original series. Um, there are moments there where I go, yes, they, they're doing their homework, but it just feels like they are... Um, I don't know, fifth year French students translating a book. And, and there's something about it that just is fundamentally unsatisfying to me because, you know, yes, I get it. Like there, there's a lot of parallelism going on in this season. You know, I think Burnham and Laurel are sort of being paralleled or, or maybe Burnham and Voke are being paralleled. I'm not entirely sure on that point yet. Um, you know, the spore drive and the cloaking device, that's a parallelism there. I mean, there's a lot, that's how this is telling its story, but it's also got a lot of other extraneous, extraneous elements to it that are cluttering that parallelism. And mm. I don't think that that is coming across as clearly as they think it is. Yeah, it needs an editor. It needs trimming so that way the bits that are working and the resonances that are there feel sharper. As it is, all of those – I mean the fact that you can make a case for 
uh, Burnham and Volk or Vernon and Laurel suggests that these parallels are existing not because they're deliberate, but because there's so much crap in here that two things are, you know, you are going to find pairs of things. You know, I, I, I wish I could say it felt more deliberate than that. And maybe it will at the end of the season. I, yeah. I don't know. But but what we have, again, is another episode where we can't really talk about the episode because it's not a self-contained entity and we don't really learn anything. It's just more grist for the you know treadmill that is Star Trek Discovery. I think the last thing I want to mention is, is something that I have mentioned before. But um, for a show that seems like its main problem is that they are not giving the show enough time to breathe... I still don't get why these episodes are so short. <laughs> this was like 39 minutes without the uh, previously on and the next on. I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. Like, they have as much time as they want. Well, are they eventually going to put it on TV? You know they're no. going to eventually put it on TV. I, I don't see why they would. I don't see why they wouldn't. <laughs> Well, CBS wants people to pay for all access, so why are they going to put it on television? Because eventually they're realizing it's not going to work or they're going to want to syndicate it in a few years. And I don't know. That- they'll, they'll sell it to Netflix. I don't think that they're ever going to put it on television. Or maybe they'll put it on television, but it'll be in 10 years. Maybe. I mean, there, there, there effectively is no syndication market anymore. Fair enough. Like, you know, I mean, that's not something that, I mean, maybe it'll get that surrounding error in their budget. I, I, I just don't, I don't see that as a possibility. Um, and so, t- but to me, it's like, that would be an even more damning indictment that they're not approaching this show creatively in the spirit in which they should be. Yeah. Because if they're worried about possibly putting it on broadcast television, and that's why they're making these episodes conform to a more traditional broadcast television running length, at the expense of the quality of the storytelling, it's not a good theory, Richard. <laughs> well, I didn't say it was great at theories. All right. Well, I think that's it for this episode of the podcast. If you have any thoughts on long Latin title, uh, please leave a comment on the post for this episode at truckaboutshow.com. You can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash truckaboutshow. Uh, the, Patreon, the Patreon special that's being released this week is on the Orville uh, so if you have some extra money and you would like to hear our thoughts on the Orville, please go to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow and give now. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we are there. Truckaboutshow is our username in all those places. And as always, you can leave us an Apple Podcast review for Truckabout. It is the best way for new fans to find the show. Okay, next week, it is the mid-season fall finale of Star Trek Discovery. Will we be back to talk about Star Trek Discovery in January? It is not looking likely. But what if it's like the most exciting episode and like everything suddenly makes sense? Like it could still happen. It could happen. Do I necessarily (laughs) want to do podcasts on it? Not really. We're going to be talking about Into the Forest I Go. And then Richard, (gasps) in two weeks. Tuvok? We get back to Star Trek Voyager. And I... Never thought that I would be this happy in my life to get back to watching and talking about Star Trek fucking Voyager, but here we are. I've missed it, man. I have too. I mean, like, and and that's the say what you want about Star Trek Voyager. On the whole, is it a good television show? We'll find out. But 
on the level of here's a group of characters. Do I enjoy hanging out with them? Yeah. And I can't say that about Discovery. Very true. Well, next week is Into the Forest I Go, where I guess we'll find out some things about the Klingons. Perhaps. I don't know. I didn't watch the next on because I don't watch the next on. And then in two weeks, we'll be back to Star Trek Voyager. So look forward to that. <laughs>